0: Hello and welcome to In The Clock End, an Arsenal podcast. No, Steve hasn't suddenly got a Southern accent. It's James here and I'll be taking on hosting duties tonight. Of course, as always, we've got a packed show. We'll be discussing England's disappointing World Cup exit and what it means for Arsenal. We'll also touch on Arsenal's 3-0 win against Lyon in the Dubai Super Cup. And finally, we'll preview the restart of the new Premier League season. Joining me tonight, we've got two of Arsenal's finest fans. We've firstly got the West Country's finest. It's Kelvin. Good evening, Kelvin.
1: Good evening, James. How are you?
0: I'm very well, thank you, mate. Very well. A little bit cold, a little bit cold, but no snow here. So, so far, so good. How about things over in Ireland?
1: Sounds pretty much the same. Very, very cold. We had a uh, dusting of snow. I think that's probably the best way to put it. But no, it's just been ridiculously cold um, and foggy. It's been foggy for about four days, non-stop. Um, so, yeah.
2: Is that your eyesight? I'm
1: sorry, Steve, I
0: haven't... I'm sorry, Steve. I can't introduce you yet. They've, the uh, audience don't know if you're
1: here yet. This is Steve. Look, he'll give you, you know, he'll give you the brains. So you go and do the podcast, but literally within a minute, he's come storming in with his cheeky little grin. I know you can't see it, listeners, but he is a cheeky chap and he's wearing a questionable hoodie or a blanket. I was going two. to say,
0: would we call it a hoodie or would we
1: call it so a slank cool. kit? It's called
2: an The official uh, wording is an oody.
1: Oh, an oody. Yeah. yeah
0: very, very good. Very good. Well, as I'm sure the listeners have probably guessed by now, there's Mr. Clockend himself. It's Steve joining us as well tonight. Steve, good evening. How are you, mate?
2: I'm all good, mate. All good. Thank you for uh, taking hosting duties. It's much appreciated. No pressure, buddy.
0: No pressure. Well, we'll see how it goes tonight. This could be my first and only time hosting. We'll have to see what happens moving forwards. But look, we'll dive straight into it. We've got plenty to chat about tonight. I mean, unfortunately, the first topic of conversation tonight could have been a much happier topic if things would have gone the way we would have wanted. But, you know, we'll dive straight in. England 1, France 2. World Cup quarterfinal heartache. I'll come to you first, Steve. Steve... I mean, I know you weren't a massive fan of the World Cup. I've been listening to the podcast since I've been away. You were saying that you were struggling to get into
2: it. Did you manage to watch the game? Um, I did. I did. um, Much to Calvin's surprise. I'm I'm sure sure he was expected me to be watching Colombo or A Touch of Frost or one of those, uh, you know, one of my favourite shows. But um, no, I did watch it. Um, I actually got quite into it, actually. Do you know, like, had that sort of second half, got felt a bit nervous, sort of felt a little bit invested um, and then ultimately was disappointed. It, it felt very reminiscent of watching Arsenal. Um, you know, add to the fact that because Saka got kicked for, for 90 minutes and the referee had a stinker. It, it felt like a, a regular match day experience.
0: It'll be interesting, won't it? Obviously, you know, as Arsenal fans we know what happens to Bukayo Saka week in week out but there seems to be this weird thing in the media with other fans that they don't seem to see what we see and obviously now it's been happening on a world stage hopefully you know people will think oh okay Saka does actually get kicks around the place and it isn't him diving you know which we all know f- for you know as long as we've been watching him but hopefully now he's going to get a little bit more protection and hopefully get a little bit more you know uh, I think credit from the media that he does try and stay on his feet, but he does get kicked around the pitch.
1: Yeah, no, he, he massively gets kicked around the pitch. and It's funny, though, because I saw a, there were a few tweets kind of flowing around, a few few memes on, on Twitter during and after the game of, you know, I think it was just the the old classic handshake of Arsenal fans and England fans shaking hands and going you know, th- this is what it's like to support Arsenal. This is Bakayo Saka's weekly fucking existence in the Premier League. And that's just getting kicked about the, uh, kicked about the park and then getting absolutely fuck all for it. Um, and it's frustrating, but just goes to show that the one thing that I opened for me was the refereeing is not just shit in England. It's clearly very shit in Brazil, um, by all accounts, because that, that guy was having a fucking laugh. Um, very frustrating to watch. But going back to your thing about heartache, I didn't feel that. I'm going to throw it out there, and I think I've said this to to you guys before. Obviously, living abroad, that hype and that buzz just isn't here. Uh, as I said before, we came on. Um, the Irish love to watch us lose at anything and everything. To be honest with you, um, and I think there's been a few viral videos uh, that have been shared by Lad Bible of all people, um, just showing what those celebrations right. do look like. Um, so yeah, I I wasn't too annoyed about it and I've always said I'm club before country so I'm a little bit selfish in thinking well this is a good thing for us so yeah
0: I think I've got to agree with you a little bit there mate I think going into the game I think you know France had to be the favourites I think on paper they were the better team and I just think on the night other than the obviously the penalty that we scored and the obviously the second penalty that Harry Kane decided to Johnny Wilkinson I couldn't really see us scoring I really couldn't see a scoring. And I think as soon as he's taken Bakaya Saka off, who was questionable, well, he was most doubtedly the strongest player on the pitch that night. If anything was going to happen, it was going to be from Bakaya Saka. He seemed to be running the French defence ragged. And I think if anything was going to happen, it was going to come through him. And when he did go off, I just thought, you know, is this going to be our night? What did you make to the
2: uh, the penalty there, Steve? Which one? <clears throat> there was, I mean, there it was, it was a questionable one in the first off that we should have had. Um, and then obviously there's the rumpenbuck the, and then, which one are we talking about in particular? The Johnny Wilkinson-esque or? Well, I was going to think, I was probably going to say
0: more the Johnny, the Johnny Wilkinson-esque one, which um, <sighs> I'm not sure if you guys have seen, but a few years ago, Johnny Wilkinson did do some kind of comic relief sketch with Harry Kane, teaching him how to do it. So that's uh, not aged well for him.
2: Not as well. No. What can you say about it? Yeah. Sort of, you know, poetic that the man who, you know, especially against the Arsenal, you know, always loves to score from the spot. Yeah, the one time that he wanted to score from the spot. Oh dear. Like, yeah. It's one of those things where like, what can you say? Like, you're sort of just like, I think it's sort of summed apart the evening, really. You know, um, it just wasn't meant to be, was it? And to be honest, I think, I think you know, on the basis of things, I thought I thought we played really well. I thought we had, a, I thought we showed a good account of ourselves. But will we be the better team? I don't know. Like I think, I think Baguésaka was was really impressive and caused them a lot of problems. You know, you know, based on the amount of times they were kicking him. You know, every opportunity. But I don't think we really tested them that much. Um, I felt France were, were were quite comfortable, and you know. Um, a great header for, from a former Arsenal man. Um, you know, Maguire, probably at fault there. Thought he could have done a lot better. To, um, you know, to get in front of his man, shock. Wow. And then you've got Ben yeah. White, who who starts every game, you know, for a team at the top of the league, who's he's not even there because apparently he fell, out, he fell out with the assistant manager. So, you know, I, I said what I thought of Southgate last week. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't rate him. Um, I think he's very reactive. He's not proactive. Um, I think he to me feels very old school um and outdated. You know, and to bring Bako Sakharov, who was he was, you know, by far best player. And you've got the likes of Jack Grealish, um, you know, incredible talent, and you bring him on with two For minutes. Two minutes. Yeah, like what what is going on? Like it just felt very much like what's the plan? Um the one thing, you know, the one positive I will say about Southgate is that I think he has sort of brought that, much um, like Arteta at Arsenal, there's that sort of people are enjoying it again and they're looking forward to it. Um, but that doesn't win your trophies and uh, d- doesn't get you to, to the levels that we'd like to see, you know, that this country get to in international football. So,
0: no, yeah. agreed, mate, agreed. And I think we'll probably say then that. With that in mind, the big question, and I'll come to you first, Kelvin, is Southgate mm. the man to take us forward? Or do you think it's come to the
1: end of the road for him? Yeah, Where do I start? I mean, just to go back to the, the penalty very quickly, and obviously I put into the group chat that it was Johnny Wilkinson-esque of him to do it. And I wasn't aware of that comic Relief video that he did with Johnny Wilkinson. Obviously, that got shared. Later on that evening, also funny enough, just on that, uh, when Tottenham moved into their, their toilet bowl, obviously they struck up a partnership with the NFL, I believe. There are more videos of Harry Kane kicking balls over posts um for field goals, which is quite funny. So there's there's lots doing the rounds, lots of content. Um but Southgate, I think I said it before. Um, and I've got nothing against the bloke at all. Um I just don't think he is the man to take us to that next level. I think he's done very well with the limited managerial experience he has, right? He didn't do anything. He didn't shake the ground before he came to England in any way, shape or form. Um, But no, he he did bring something to the table. But it's now a case of we've got another very good generation of players. Uh, And I just don't think he's the man who's going to be able to extract... The most out of that group of players, because one of the things that I got really frustrated with watching England there the other day, um, and and a couple of times in the tournament. I mean, look, I I, I missed two of the group stage games uh, for various reasons, but in particular watching us play um, on was it was it was Saturday, wasn't it Saturday night? Saturday yeah, night. Saturday night. I got really very reminded of how we were playing football under Arteta at the very beginning. And Steve will remember this. I used to get really frustrated with how slowly we built out from the back because if you're playing any top side, and look, you're in a World Cup quarterfinal, you're playing a top side, doesn't matter who it is or what nation it is, they're there, they're there on merit. One of the things you need to do is transition quickly because if you let a, a top side like that get set, it's very, very hard to break them down. And that's just what kept happening watching Harry Maguire walk out with the ball, trying to decide what he wants to do with it. John Stones is doing it as well, to be honest with you. So it's clearly something they've been directed to do. It just really frustrates me. Um, we all know that at any level of football, quick the quicker the football you play, the more effective it is. That's when you start to create gaps. That's when you start to be able to exploit, move people around. And we just didn't do that. And it's, I don't think that we were the worst side on the night. I thought it was very even, to be perfectly honest with you. And I think, that that reflected. To be honest, with you. I don't. You know, Pickford made a couple of saves. We obviously we had a couple of penalties. We had a few other little chances here and there. Um, but Southgate, yeah, I I, I would think it's time for him to to move on. Yeah, I think it's you know how long has he actually been manager of England for now? It's been a while.
0: It's been a long time, hasn't it? He came in when um, Big Sam had his uh, little moment, didn't he? I think Southgate came in straight after that. So he definitely did 2018 World Cup, didn't he? Did he do 2016 Euros as well?
2: Not too sure. I think it was 2018, 2017.
0: Been a long time anyway. And though, look, Kevin, I agree with you. I think one thing that you can definitely say about Southgate is he seems to have created a squad that believes in each other that wants to work w- with each other you hear from England pros years gone past you know the Man United players sat together the Arsenal players sat together etc it does seem like there's a bit more of a bond there moving forwards I personally that, think
1: go on sorry I was just going to say though is and, and again look like I said I've got nothing against Southgate but is that just more not just the modern generation of football player these days though? I think you know those those days that we grew up in and loved right I loved all that the battles that you had between Arsenal United I just don't it's you see it every now and again a bit of bite between even Arsenal Spurs but you don't see hatred like you used to and I think it's because and again it's very rare you get one club men these days like you used to players move about um, and you know they've got friends all over the place these days um, and obviously it's such a multicultural environment particularly in the Premier League and our players are very used to that Um. I think there's just an element of that, to be honest with you. Whether you know, and again, I'm not taking it away from Southgate if he has managed to do something behind closed doors, which has helped that, then fair play. But again, just looking at looking at it from the outside in, it's just, I just think that's just part of the the modern generation uh, of players that we've got coming through. They're just a lot more open to to working with lads that they know they play against on a weekly basis and want to lose on a weekly basis, but they still understand that. You know what? I can have a good laugh here at the same time, so I'm gonna.
0: Yeah, I get that. I guess it's probably not as spicy as it used to be. Obviously, you're not getting those same battles on the pitch as what you're used to. Mm. I'm personally excited about the the future of England, obviously, and from an Arsenal perspective. I think I've struggled a little bit with England over the last few years, obviously, with there being minimal Arsenal involvement. And obviously, when you know sackers come off the pitch, I'm you know, there's not not an Arsenal player on the pitch. So I find it difficult to engage with it all. But if you look mm. at the names that are going to be in the squads moving forwards, I'm hoping Aaron Ramsdale is going to get more of an opportunity. We're obviously not completely sure what happened with Ben White, but I'm obviously hoping he's going to get more opportunities. looks like Saka is going to be a starlet of the team for years to come. And obviously, you know, if Emil Smith-Rowe can put his injuries behind him, then hopefully he's mm. going to be a big part of it all as well. So I think from an Arsenal perspective, the future's looking bright in terms of the England team. And if we're saying that maybe it isn't Gareth Southgate, I'm going to give you Steve the power to decide who is England's next manager. Who would it be? Here we go.
1: I'm waiting for some sort of smart remark to come out of here. He's
2: I trying was to
0: expecting think of someone him.
1: really out there.
0: I was expecting Mike Bassett or something like that.
2: Mike Bassett? Well, he's already been England manager.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um. Um you know i I will throw a curveball and answer it sensibly. Wow see i I are you of the other the kind of the mindset that the English manager should be English to sort of truly get it because I feel like you know previous to Southgate our best manager was probably Sven So who was it is it Capello? Yeah, Hello after. was in there, yeah. He was I like, didn't really like McLaren him. was after uh, Hello didn't really like he was or just before or I tell you who actually I think would actually be really well suited for England. Um, someone like Gerrard or Lampard. Really? That's a curved That's curveball. interesting. That
1: is a curveball. Why, Steve? Um, Please explain your answer.
2: Well, I think see, I actually like, I mean, not as footballers, but as uh, sort of um not thought what they represented back in the day, but I, I quite like Lampard as a manager. I think he he he's got something about him. Um and the same with Gerard. I think they are very early on in their career. You know, Gerard did a really good job at Rangers, let's not forget that. Um mm. Gerard had a uh, Lampard had a good spell with Derby. I think you know he went to Chelsea too soon, and that sort of kind of set him back a little bit. Um and also, like, I think having people like that, you know, big characters, they've been there, they've, they've done it, they've pretty much won everything uh, apart from Premier Leagues, um, as we know. <laughs> but I think someone like that, like, if you sort of look it on a spectrum where, like, Gareth Southgate as a as an icon, as a footballer, not doesn't really kind of create that buzz, whereas, you know, a big name like Gerald o. Lampard, you know.
0: I hate to say it, but I can kind of get, the weird logic. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, but no, I,
2: no, I kind don't don't of see either.
0: where you're coming from.
1: I'm intrigued uh, more by the Lampard shout, because I think he is being fucking dog shit, particularly at Everton. They only just sprayed relegation last year.
2: True, but then international football is, is a completely different kettle of fish. Like, you know, like true. Toby mentioned last week, you know, you have these players for a very small period of time and it's, it's not like you're with them 12 months a year. So, mm. I mean, I, prefer, I, I would say, I, I would agree. I You know, I think Gerard is, uh, sorry, I think Lampard, um, you know, has been on a downward trajectory. Um, I think Gerard started well at Villa. Um, and it, I think it'd be actually quite interesting to see where he goes next, because, you know, he is, he's, he's out of a club at the moment. So, listen, I'm not saying that I missed it, Meg, but. 20 quid on Gerrard to be the next England manager. You, you heard it here first.
0: Well, look, Mystic Meg, the one place he will not be going in other slightly Arsenal-related managerial news. Have you seen who's turned up at Wigan as the uh, new manager?
2: Yeah. Colo Torre, right?
1: Mr. Colo Torre. Mr. Invincible times two. Kolo. You know what? It'd
0: be really Kolo, interesting. Kolo. <laughs> It'll be really interesting to see how he gets on. It'll be really interesting to see how he gets on. You know, he was obviously part of that invincible team. He's obviously worked under Arsene. He's spent the last few years, I think, working with Brendan Rodgers when he was at Celtic and then when he was at Leicester. So, Mm. you know, I think it's good that he's been given the opportunity. And um, look, good luck to him. It'll be nice to see him do well. And um, it'll be uh, hopefully... You know, good to see another old Arsenal boy in the managerial ranks.
2: Yeah, it's, it's quite it's interesting, interesting is Futuring the manager. Futuring <laughs> the manager. <laughs> <During> the manager. <laughs> I find it quite interesting, like growing up, like this is the first sort of period, in, I guess, in my adult life where I'm seeing footballers who I regularly watched as a child go into management. Weird, isn't it? It is weird. It is really weird. Like you think Carlo Torre, like it only feels like yesterday when he was, you know, playing for Man City.
0: It's funny with, uh... <laughs> oh, don't bring that up, mate. Don't bring that up. It is interesting with Colo Torre, obviously. I think it's um, Ray Parlour tells the story about how, um, you know, his first training session at Arsenal, you know, really didn't go to plan. He ended up going through half of our first team, you know, two fitting people, you know, I'm and, sure. And the manager. He, and the manager, yeah. I think if you would have said to some of these players back then, oh, Colo is going to go on to be an Arsenal invincible and he's going to go on to be a manager in the uh, the English game I'm not sure they would have believed you back then but you know good luck to him we hope that he does well obviously we wish any old Arsenal boy well so we'll have to see how he gets on but look this is an Arsenal podcast so I think we'll leave the uh, England chat there I guess probably the only thing to come of sum up World Cup chat is who do you fancy to win the rest of the tournament I'll go with you first Kelvin
1: who I said at the start and it's who beat us the other day, I still think France will find a way to win it. Um, but I I just think they are the, the better side. But I, I, it could be someone, you know, Morocco have really, really surprised us all. But was a funny old game, right? It could be any of those four teams left. Obviously, there's a chunk of us that would love to see Messi and Argentina do it, I think. Um, there's probably a big chunk that wouldn't as well because of the history between the two nations. But, I mean, yeah, I just want to see, you know, two more or three more good games. That would be nice. Uh, But I'm going to go with France, yeah.
0: Yeah, that would be my pick as well.
2: Steve, how about you? Um, Well, obviously, I'd love to see Morocco win the World Cup. I think that would be, you know, a true underdog story. Um, Hmm. I can just see Argentina winning it, though, which I would hate because, I mean, I feel like, they're a the sort of team like if, if you support them, you know you love the shithousery you, you you love you love all that stuff. but from an outside perspective you just think they're a bunch of pricks. Um, but I can see the winning. I don't know why. I just feel like they've got something about. I, I wasn't that impressed by France. Um, and I think like this tournament is so unpredictable. Um, who are the other two who, who are the other teams you've got France, Argentina, Rocco, and Croatia. Croatia. I mean in Croatia. Don't underestimate them.
1: I'd love for them to win, just I pick them out in my work sweepstakes. And that'd be quite nice.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> How, How much is the winnings there
0: for your sweepstakes? A
1: couple of hundred quid.
2: Ooh. Now we'll pay for the hotel for James's wedding.
1: <laughs> yeah, not a fucking <laughs> tent as we've already
2: discussed. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen. Oh, Some people would pay a lot of money to spend the night in a tent with me. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just give Steph, I'll give Stephanie a quick ring and we'll see how much how much she's fucking paid. You can get glam pin pods now and all sorts. I think like you need to open your mind.
0: Right, as I'm sure this is as interesting to the listeners as it is, is to us. We'll uh, we'll call it there, shall we, from that part of the podcast. So
1: swift so, move on.
0: We'll move on. So Arsenal have in fact played a game since uh we all last recorded. It was uh in the very prestigious Dubai Super Cup. It was Arsenal free Leon nil. I'm not going to lie. I didn't watch the game. I was at work at the time, so I've only seen the highlights. Did any of you boys see it
2: live? Yeah, I did not. I've, I've not even watched a single moment. I mean, I've seen the the Instagram quotes and stats posts. You haven't even seen uh, the highlights, like the goals. I have, yeah. just don't care.
0: Doesn't care about international football. Doesn't care about build-up games. Just, Do you care about anything Arsenal football-related anymore? Just
2: the hard stuff, you know. Those, oh, Jesus. Those... <laughs> <laughs> he
0: spends all of his time researching Arsenal Fashion FC now, doesn't he? That's why. That's
1: all he cares about, yeah. yeah, he's all about the is
0: Steve. He's all, he's all in it for the merch. He's all in it for the drops. But no, it was 3-0. Um, goals from uh, Big Gabby. Uh, second goal coming from Eddie Nketiah and probably the pick of the bunch was Fabio Vieira with a a lovely move um, from pretty much back to front and then he finished off lovely into the top corner. Um, Look, there's not much to be gained from these games other than the fact that it's obviously bringing the members of the squad who haven't been at the World Cup together, keeping them fit, keeping them sharp. I mean, Leon, decent enough team, obviously one of the better teams in France, but you know, if you looked at their starting 11, it was very similar to ours. It's not going to be the starting 11 that restarts the season. But obviously, there's always the opportunity for some of these players who maybe haven't got the minutes that they would like for the first part of the season to, you know, catch the manager's eye. But, you know, and with that in mind, Fabio Vieira, it's going to be a big second half of the season for him, I think. And um, you saw the goal, Kelvin, didn't you? Fabio Vieira's goal?
1: I did, yeah. Um, absolute screamer, to be honest with you. Such a wonderful effort into the close top corner. Um, but I also really enjoyed Gabrielle's header because it was a thumping header from a corner to the fact that, you know, when someone meets a corner or a cross full on, meet at the fucking forehead, and you could hear it on the, on the, on the microphones that it dotted around the behind the goal there. But yeah, that was a that was a good goal. It must but, have been um, an
0: interesting time for Big Gabby. Obviously, I think the vast majority of us probably thought he was going to get in the Brazil squad. You know, we probably didn't think he was going to be starting, but we <laughs> probably most of us thought he, he was going to be in the squad. So I wonder how he's found the last few weeks, the last few months. You know, he's obviously probably been very disappointed, but um be interesting to see how he starts the next part of the season you know will there be any kind of post world cup hangover if you get what i mean
2: yeah maybe
1: um i don't know it's funny isn't it because like like most things people take things in different ways you'll either take it the positive and that's you know push on and try and break into that brazil lineup um or you take it like a little bitch and <laughs> and you yeah, just get you know go all in yourself and cry and moan about it but i don't think that's him as a character, to be honest, you, I think he's a sort of lad that will prefer to give you the finger and show you that you made the wrong choice.
0: Yeah, agreed. I think obviously he's shown throughout his Arsenal career so far that he has got mentality and, you know, he has had tough moments, but he seems to have come through the other side and, you know, he'd probably be one of our first names on the team sheet now. Obviously, mm. the Dubai Super Cup is still ongoing and we have a game against AC Milan tomorrow. It'll be interesting actually to see who's involved in that game because in various pictures that the club are releasing, Thomas Partey is back with the group, Ben White is back with the group. So hopefully we'll see um, a few I more think, names come into the lineup tomorrow.
1: I think they'll get run-outs, to be honest. I can't see this, particularly Ben White. I can't see why not. He hasn't kicked a ball in in anger um, since he last played for us. Um so I can definitely see make, him.
2: Did he make any appearance in the World Cup? No, I mean, didn't that is, a single minute. That is
1: piss poor, that
0: is.
2: Um, sorry to bring it down.
0: Well, that was a nice moment as well. Did you see in the... Um one of the Brazil games where they brought on the third choice goalkeeper for the last 10 minutes, just because mm-hmm. the because the coach wanted every single player in the squad to at least have a few minutes of playing at a World Cup. I thought, thought that was a, a really nice touch. You know, there was a good number of England players in that squad that didn't get minutes, James Madison being another one, you know, and Ben White mm-hmm. being another one, you know, it was, um, no, I thought that was a nice touch from the, from the Brazil coach bringing the sub-goalkeeper on. Because at that point, I think every other player in the Brazil squad had got some minutes and um, he was the only one that hadn't. But What happens with um, Saka and Martinelli then? When do we think they'll be back? Do you think they'll join the group straight away? Or do you think they'll be given a little bit of time?
2: Do you I know read that so? Saka was already there. I saw... I swear I swear! I read that he, he was joining the squad. Um, are we playing... Juventus this weekend. We're playing Juventus I think on the
0: 17th which is Saturday, Saturday. yeah. So yeah. AC so, Milan tomorrow Juventus I, on Saturday I would imagine have hoped to be involved.
2: I reckon he'll be involved on Saturday uh, maybe off the bench he'll, you know keep it light um but then it's back to business so yeah back I don't know a business it, it depends business. how Mikhail wants to approach it you know does he want to sort of get that 11 back in and you know glued together and sort of pick up where we left off or yeah you know, I guess you, you approach every every player differently don't you but depending on um you know like like for example something like Bakayosaka and Martinelli, a lot of minutes you know they could probably do with you know a week sort of just just uh recovering from the walk I think
1: I think that's what he's giving most players is a week. I think you know Jacques is still not back in training. He's having a bit of time off but he's in Dubai. So he's he will with be joining up with the squad yeah. fairly shortly. He's having a bit of a bit of a down bit of downtime, family time. Um, and then I think he'll be back to training. But I, I think also with, with just how the World Cup's been, and particularly if you look at the likes of Pakaya Saka, I mean, look, if he didn't play for the next week and then comes and starts against West Ham, I don't think that's going to be much of an issue, to be honest with you. Um, it's not as if he's not, you know, if he's been sat on the bench. He's played. He's played a lot. Um, so I think he'll be able to slot straight back into the you know, the intensity of a Premier League. The one thing that does worry me a little bit, and again, this could just be pie-in-the-sky stuff, but it's just going from such a, an intense climate back to the the harshness of, look, look how cold we all are, right? And we've been here. Imagine what it's going to be like coming back from fucking Qatar to this uh, and then going to play football. Um, AB, be...
2: Maybe you could lend them some of your hats.
1: Or you could go full R shaving,
2: try and come onto <laughs> the pitch with that? a hat on. Yeah. Little car hearts.
1: Little car hearts. I give one out to him. Yeah, definitely. <laughs>
2: oh. I'd say
0: the only thing that worries me just a little bit is we've still not seen Emil Smith Rowe, and the Emil Smith Rowe mm. uh, noises have gone a little bit quiet again. I thought he was going to be back by the time the season restarted, but I've not heard anything. I don't think he's well. He didn't play any part of the. Uh, Leon game and um, I've not seen him in any of the training pictures anyone got any insight or heard anything as to when he might be back
1: not a zip very very quiet
2: I've got real like Jack Wilshire vibes already like if you look at the amount of seasons where he just doesn't appear and you spend the whole season like yeah he'll be back soon he'll be back soon and before you know it it's May and it's a worry isn't it it is a worry um you know you look how good he was last season real yeah had a really good season really important player um and once again you know my favorite word depth it leaves us you know quite thin um in in numbers if if he's not back for the second half of the season
0: well i feel a little bit personally responsible for um, emil smith and i'll tell you why so for a number of years, I didn't get players on the back of my shirts, but then kind of got back into it more recently. I remember as a kid, I used to get players on the back of my shirt every season. And my dad used to say that I used to curse the Arsenal team mm. because whoever I got on the back of my shirt, you guarantee that they would either leave or they would be injured and they would never be seen again. So I to give you some examples, I had Silvino on the back of my shirt when he had his passport issues. I had, Ash, I had Ashley Cole when he went to uh, Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had Davor where when he came in with quite the flurry and didn't actually end up doing anything for us and um, I'm sure you can all guess who I got on the back of my home shirt this season so apologies oh, to me I feel personally responsible
2: Can you get Jesus. messy on your next one? Just you know in the hope that it will backfire and he might sign for six months.
0: I'm not sure it works that way but I'll g- give it a go Give, oh, it, all right,
2: a go. So. give it a go
0: I, yeah, I knew a bit to,
2: I knew it too old to be wearing football shirts, mate. <laughs> Same age as you, mate, I think.
1: That's not bringing <laughs> up age, lads. Move on.
0: All <laughs> right, moving, on, moving <clears> on. So, look, final part of the show tonight, we're going to have a, a restart preview, OK? So, it's obviously a very different season, a season that none of us would have ever have, um had before, obviously. It's been a big break, you know, it's been a long time since the Arsenal played a Premier League game and then we're going to be right back in the thick of it, Boxing Day. So what we thought we'd do, we just have a look at the first part of the season, but then we'd also look into the next part of the season. We'll obviously uh, try and give you a bit of a, a preview as to what we can expect. So we'll start with um, our favourite moment of the campaign so far. All right. So obviously there's been some great moments so far. We'll go with you, Steve. What's your uh, favourite moment of the campaign so far?
2: Hmm. That's a tricky one. Um, I think favourite, I mean, I haven't really got a favourite moment. I've got a favourite game. I think the North and the Derby was really special. Um, and just the euphoria kind of surrounding that moment. Um, I, we've almost been spoilt, though, haven't we? You know, like going to Stamford Bridge, beating them beating Tottenham, beating Liverpool. Um, it's just been a great season so far. But um yeah, the Northland, the Derby um was just it was up there. It was up there. It was such a great day. Um I, I feel like that that party goal was incredible. Um and then the and and the, and the moment as well when it went three one mm. and that sense of kind of, you know, two one, it's a bit tight, nervous. A second goal, two goal cushion, it was just absolute limbs um, and that was a special moment and also, you know, we talk about the Jack of Redemption, that was, you know, kind of really nice for him as well to be a part of that.
0: Yeah, what a moment that was and I think, you know, it was at a time where some of the media were getting on our back a little bit saying, oh, you know, you've only beaten who you should beat and I think, from memory, I think, other than the Man United game, I think Spurs were our first kind of real big test. And obviously, we, we passed that test for flying colours. So, no, that's going to certainly be a mo- moment of the season so far. Kelvin, anything different?
1: Yeah, I'll take a slightly different angle. Why not? I mean, look, winning the North London derby is always fantastic, um, particularly in that kind of manner. But for me, I don't know, like, I thought the Liverpool game was just so exhilarating and there was so much in it, the electric start as well, you know, to score within the first minute was just, I don't know, it definitely got me out of my seat. Um, And it it was a bit of a ding-dong game as well, Uh, but to come out on top in the end. And and it's a side that, you know, given us so many issues. And I know that, look, Liverpool this season most certainly haven't been the side that they have been over the last number of years, but this is still the kind of demons though, isn't it? Like, how many times, I know Steve has said this many times. How many times we play the, the name and not the game itself, we play the team. Um, and we've done that against them countless times uh, and other teams as well uh, down the years. So, yeah, to beat them, uh, and it was shortly after the Spurs game as well. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, yeah, it's just great to do that. And yeah, Saka obviously came alive in that game as well, which is great well, he was.
0: Sorry mate it's cut across you there. What is your um prediction with Liverpool? Can you see them making a, a top 4 challenge? Can you see them making a title challenge or do
1: you think they're done no, already? They they won't make top 4 this year. I'll be very very surprised if they do.
2: Can you know, I I I would disagree. I think they will. There's a long wait. There's a long season to go. I think they've got they I think they'll be up there. Not 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 challenging but 100% up there. Um a lot of games a lot of points left to play for there is but they're playing shite points mean prizes
0: <laughs> be interesting to see what happens with Liverpool I think you know their fans have got used to obviously so much uh, so much success over the the years that they've had Klopp and I think this is probably the first time that they've had this little wobble and I mean from an Arsenal perspective look, long may it continue but I think my favourite moment of the campaign so far, I thought you guys would go Spurs and uh, Liverpool. So I tried to think of it a little bit differently. I'm going to say um, the Arsenal-Leicester game. So the the first home game of the season. I think um, Mm. for different reasons, really. I think obviously, you know, uh, the end of last season didn't go to plan. We were all disappointed. And that first home game of the season, you never know how it's going to be, you know, with the disappointment having been at the end of the season before were we going to get to the stadium and was there going to be the same excitement enthusiasm and just even pre-game at the um the bank of friendship it was just rocking and obviously the lovely weather does help that but the game itself was fantastic you know it's great to see four goals Gabriel Jesus came alive he showed us what he was going to be about and um it really just made me so excited about the season ahead and Obviously, the three of us were there as well. That's always nice. But no, it just really did feel like liftoff at the beginning of the season. So no, I think that's my uh, favourite moment of the season so far.
1: That's,
0: good shout. That's, that's
2: a great shout. That was such a good day. That yeah. was such a good day. I None love of that. us want
1: to go for any of those belting wins in Europa League, particularly against Bodo Glimp no?
0: That was my second on the list. So. <laughs>
2: second win. yeah the, the the was it 3-0 at home? 3-0 you know, Wash. sat through. That was a painful game. The Nottingham was... Forest
0: home game as well, actually. Boring. I'll give a special moment to that as well. That was a, that was a, a fun day. That was, um, I think, I'm, I'm not sure if you watched that game, Steve. I think that was the day after your wedding. So you may have been no, a bit I did, aware.
2: I did watch it. It was good. It was good. Thomas Partey with a, with a wonderful goal again. Mm. Did you go to, oh yeah, of course you went down to that.
0: Yeah, I went down the morning after your wedding, me and Charm were went you, down and there was... Um, yeah, were you was
2: hanging?
1: Was oh,
0: he? I felt better. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Fair play that you made that, because literally there's not a chance in how I could have made that. You left least,
1: early. You left was, early as well that day.
2: At I least
0: was, it was a good game. I mean, you know, I have vibes of thinking, jeez, if I go down and it's kind of, you know... and Nottingham Forest turn us over or something it weren't going to make me feel much better but no it but was definitely worth the early start of the
1: 5-0 Weird experience for me because obviously I was flying back that day um, I obviously caught the f- the first half I think in the airport waiting and I remember obviously actively refreshing my Sky Sports feed I think as we were taking off and literally just as we took off and went into the sky Reese Nelson made it 2-0 and I was like fucking yes get in there so that made my flight a little bit more enjoyable. And then when I landed, it was 5-0. So yeah, it was, it was different, but yeah, still just exhilarating, I'm sure. Nice to score five goals. Mm.
0: Need to see that more regularly, hopefully, in the second part of the season. I think if that was something that we were going to improve, I think, under Arteta, it's just putting some of these teams away a little bit more comfortably. A few too many kind of 1-0 2-1 results yeah. my liking but you know work in progress so look we'll move on so next category so who's exceeded expectations so far okay so in the opening part of the season Kelvin we'll come to you first who's exceeded your expectations
1: an easy pick for me this one um because we hadn't seen him before but as much as there are big expectations for him for me personally I didn't Expect him to be at the level he is, um, and he's been absolutely phenomenal. And that's uh, William Saliba. It's just it just changed the heart of our defence. Um, what he brings, just he, you know, he looks like he's been playing in centre defence of a Premier League team for the last ten years. Um, and we're what just over a third of the way through this season, and he's he's a, he's, a, he's a first. He's one of those, isn't he? First on the team sheet, sort of scenario.
0: It is a mad one with William Saliba because you think it probably was a a real sliding doors moment for him. Because if Tommy Asu would have started the season fit, would Saliba have started the season or would he have been on the bench? You know, I probably think that it would have been Ben White and Gabriel starting the season and then Saliba would have had to force his way into the team. But obviously, you know, once he went in for that first game, he's never looked back and obviously he's... Probably, like you say, first name on the team sheet type player
1: now. Mm. How about you, Steve?
2: You know, you know what? It's interesting because I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about sort of Martinelli and how good he's been this season, and also how good Jack has been, and it, and it didn't even dawn on me how good William Saliba has been. Like we we we're always spoiled for choice, but I think I think William Saliba is, is a is a great shout. Um, just the level and the way he plays for someone so young, he's just he's he's he's, he's a machine, isn't he? And um, what I would say is, James, please do not get him on your shirt. We don't, <laughs> don't you know? Stay away. Stay away. Agreed. Stay away. Stay away. Uh, but no, I'd, I'd say I'd say Saliba is um, yeah, what 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 a, a signing. Um, and you you know there, there, there was a lot of conversation around whether. Arsenal managed him properly, and you know, whether we should have brought him back sooner. Uh, you know what, regardless of what you think, uh, or may not have thought about the situation, you know, he's hit the ground running and he's been incredible and he's really lifted us. Um, and you know, it's you look back to that period where we have the likes of David Luis and uh, uh, Klasinac and all, uh, you know, and now we've got like you know, Gabriel, um, Saliba, Ben White, Tierney, Zinchenko, like. It's incredible to see how far we've come um, mm. in 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 in, in defence. What about you, don't
1: James? Do you miss Lichtenstein of doing overlapping runs down the <laughs> right now?
2: Collectors item that what, one. What it? An could, overlapping run. What could have been? What could have been? No, I think
0: I think you're absolutely right. I think Saliba's the obvious choice there. I think I'm I'm was a little bit surprised that he hasn't had any more minutes for France but I'm kind of glad that he's not had the minutes of France because I quite like the idea of him being a little bit more under the radar in terms of the world football scene just because obviously with contract talks coming up and obviously um, some of the bigger clubs sniffing around if he would have gone and had a a massive World Cup I think that probably wouldn't have helped us very much in terms of contract negotiations so um, but you know we'll have to see that bit I think Yeah, like I say, Saliba's the obvious choice, but I think probably honourable mention to Ben White. Obviously, he's made the right-back position his own. I think Mm. who would have thought, you know, Tommy Asu was probably one of our standout performers last season. And, you know, there's been times this season where Ben White's kept him out of the team. And I wouldn't have anticipated that moving into the season. I think he's done a really good job. I think, obviously, he would have been disappointed not to start the season kind of next to big Gabby he was he was the one that was shifted out to the right hand side but he seems to really be flourishing in that position so I think he certainly exceeded my expectations of being a right back for sure and um, I think other than that I just think look we all knew the big man number nine Gabriel Jesus was going to be good but I didn't think he was going to be as good as he has been I know the last few weeks of the you know, before we uh, finish up for the World Cup, he maybe wasn't getting the numbers of goals that we would have hoped for. But just the way in which he's revolutionised this team, I think is just, uh, it's just incredible. I just think, I can't believe one man has had such a difference. I think just the way that we play, I just feel like the way that other teams kind of think about us, respect us. And I think a lot of that is down to him. I just think he's been an incredible signing. And I think, we are probably going to miss him probably, I would argue more than anyone else coming into the uh, next part of the season.
2: Yeah. I I don't think we actually touched on that last week because I think at the time we were still sort of waiting on Mm. the official word, Um, but it looks like it's going to be, wow. I think said this week that they they, they don't really know, which is a worry. Wow. No news is maybe it could be a month, could be two months. I don't know. You know. Be, come
0: on. Well,
1: this was, is where you need to come to the fore.
0: Well, I was yeah. having a look at. They've been cagey about what the actual surgery has been and what the actual issue has been. You know, I've, I've read bits and pieces about what they think has happened, but I think that's Arsenal playing games a little bit as well, because obviously I think we've probably got no choice but to go into the transfer market. I think we need to go into the transfer market anyway. And I feel like Arsenal are probably trying to be a little bit cagey with the information, with the idea that. You know, if other clubs know that we're without Jesus for three or four months then obviously that's going to make us, you know, more kind of um, vulnerable to teams taking the piss in terms of us wanting to buy some of their players. But that moves on quite nicely, actually, to one of the other questions. So I'll go slightly out of order here. Apologies, lads. But um, transfers, what do we need? You don't necessarily have to say names at this point, but just positions. If you were the the boys holding the purse strings, what, what would you be doing? We'll start with you, Kelvin.
1: I think it's, it's the obvious at this point of the season. I think if Jesus would have stayed fit, I would have said we need to prioritise centre mid. Um, but obviously the uh, the outlay or the uh, the landscape has changed, hasn't it, ever so slightly uh, with that injury to Jesus. And, you know, even when I said on the, the last pod, it's... It... Long, longest he's going to be out is three months, right? I believe, roughly. And these things, obviously, as we know, you just said they're being cagey, so it could be two months. I think I don't know whether it was Xhaka or somebody came back from a very similar injury quicker than expected, but again, that comes down to individual how you heal. But I think look, you have to go for someone attack-minded, someone who can play across the uh, the front three. One thing we've needed even going into the season was better cover for Saka because we do heavily rely on him. He plays far too many minutes and we don't want to see him burn out and, and get, you know, really, really bad injury, whether that's muscular, ligament or whatever it might be. And I think if, you know, who were are being heavily linked with this, you know, even this morning, David Olsen has come and said, isn't he, is it Mudric? That looks like that's our top priority and maybe that leads into... If he, he predominantly plays down the left, and that's Martinelli's main place, but if if there's potential for Martinelli to play down the middle, um, then that might be something we explore a little bit more. Um, and obviously, look, I'm not discarding uh, Eddie and Nketiah at all, because he's definitely going to get his chance. Um, but I just think Arteta might be thinking a little bit more outside the box here to see him what we can do, what we can change. Because um, I think one of the things that he definitely loves, and that's having players that can play in multiple positions. And if we can shift tactically around our front three and make them a little bit more interchangeable, much like Liverpool have over the last some years, that might play to our benefit.
0: Well, I'm not going to lie. Obviously, I've seen the reports this morning from David Ornstein as well. You know, Mudrick has been a player that we've been linked with quite heavily over the last couple of months. I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think with regards to if we are going to buy an attacker, I think they need to be able to play multiple positions. But I don't actually know this about Mudrick. Has he ever played through the middle? Like, is he someone that can play that Gabriel Jesus role or is he going to be a winger and then Mm. that's going to mean Eddie and Ketia or that's going to mean Gabriel Martinelli being,
1: being put into the middle. Predominantly he's a winger, right? And I think you'd be asking a hell of a lot of a player of his age and coming from the league where he is to come and try and play through the middle and play that Gabriel Jesus role. That would be putting a lot of pressure on a young man's shoulders. Um, especially when you look at where we are in the league because that is going to put extra pressure on somebody coming in because it's not the factors that we expect to be challenging from the title but we're in a position where we kind of are right now. Um, and long may that continue we don't know how long that might last. so I think there's it will be more of a case of what have we currently got that might be able to go through the middle and Mar- how many you know Martin's been with us for a long time and a number of us have always said I'd like to see him given more of an opportunity through the middle. we've seen it here and there. Mainly when you're playing, you know, Europa League or whatever. And you're not and we've said this a few times as well, like even if you look at Enkecha this season so far, we've been a little bit underwhelmed, but he's playing with, you know, not the the out and out first team. You know, it's the dip in quality is there. So the service isn't quite as good. It's not as clicky as it as it can be. So I think Martinelli, it could be something that we look at because of the energy that he has. Um, yeah, that I think it'd be more a case that we look Mudrick to play on the left or the right. And then look at bringing someone else internal.
0: It's going to be interesting, isn't it? Because I think if you were to bring in an out and out number nine, you know, a striker, there ain't going to be many people that are going to want to come in because they know that when Jesus is fit, they're not he's going to be on the bench. Yeah, he's back on the bench. So I think if we can get yeah. someone who can play on the wing but also has the capability of playing through the middle, for me, that would be absolutely ideal. But who that player is, that's up to Mr. Edu and his barbecue to um, work out. But obviously, yeah, we know that we're need, going to need an attacking player. But, Steve, any other positions that you'd be looking out for come January?
2: Um, Difficult. Um, you know, the, the expectation and there's reality, right? You know, we're not going to go out and spend loads of money and bring in two or three players. Um, realistically, um, I think defensively for the first time in a long time, we're pretty sounds, we're set there. Um, I think defensive midfield, that's always a worry, you know. Um, you know, you're you're only an injury away from, from being very short, you know, in that central piece. Um, you know, Xhaka and, and Party are key to to a, the team's success. I feel like Zinchenko could sort of take a bit of that load, but he's just been so up and down with his fitness. That's definitely a concern. He's another um, player
0: as well that hasn't been involved in the uh, training pictures or, or the uh, squad against Lyon as well. So, it'll be interesting to see if he gets any minutes in the next week or so yeah. before the season starts.
2: He strikes me as one of these sort of players. He's like a cult hero. Doesn't really play a lot, but everyone loves him, you know. And he's all—I feel like he's already sort of established that sort of role in the club. Uh, much like a Thomas Rosicky, you know when he, he when he can never stay fit. Um, but I think def- yeah, defensive midfield, um, a little bit light on the ground. Obviously, our Nenny's back now, so that's a big boost. And you've also got Sambi. Um, yeah, I, I think I think you know what what usually got what what you said really sort of hit the nail on the head in terms of like bringing someone in who can who's adaptable, who can play on the flanks, who can play down the center. And I think to be honest, if you look at the way the game's going now, the, the sort of traditional kind of four four two number nine position, they're so adaptable these days. You, footballers, uh, you know you see him, you see lineups change each week. You see people all, all over the pitch. I, I feel like it's almost a lot kind of easier to sort of bring in a player who can maybe be a lot more adaptable because I feel like it's just naturally in, in their game these days. You know, when we were growing, it was either, where would you play? Right wing. That's it. You know, where do you play? I'm a defensive midfielder. So I just sit back. Like the game is, it's is, is really changed. Um, the modern game is so much different. Um, listen, I, I, we'll find out in January, you know, whether the club want to push for the title. Or they want uh, to just secure top four. We'll find out. Wow. You know, actions speak louder than words. You know, if if we do the business, make a statement. If you play it safe, um, you know you, you run the risk of doing what we did last season. And you know, we knew what happened last season. Um, I think it's a lot of responsibility to put on Eddie, and I don't think he's good enough. But what I would say, one last thing, is like I think before the hazes injury, I, I always felt like we needed someone, someone else. In, uh, in that position, um, just because it you couldn't rely on hazes not picking up anything throughout the whole year, yep. Agreed,
0: I'll absolutely agree with everything there, mate. To be perfectly honest, I mean, interestingly enough, Arteta has been out in the states with the Cronkies. Obviously, he had a similar meeting uh this time last year, and obviously that led to a parting ways with the club and no one coming in, but. You know, we'll just have to wait and see see what happens in the uh, transfer window because we've got a couple of weeks before that opens up. So thinking now, who needs to pull their socks up? Who in the opening part of the season maybe hasn't had the season they would have wanted so far, hasn't, you know, met expectations? Who needs to be giving themselves a kick up the backside going forwards? We'll go back to you then, Steve. Who is that player for you?
2: There's two that spring to mind. The the obvious one is Eddie. Um, in the same breath, I would say he needs minutes, but I I just I'm just also very underwhelmed by Eddie and Kaya. Um, you know, we've given the deal. He's got the number fourteen. You know, go prove yourself. Um, and Reese Nelson as well. But then, there's, you know, in the same breath, you know, he's he's another one who doesn't necessarily get the minutes. Um, I just feel like with these two. Like you look at the likes of Saka, Smith-Rowe, Martinelli, who are just miles ahead of them. They've just sort of, they've come in, you know, you know, similar to people like make their obviously, you know, he's not, he's out on loan. But these players have been complete, completely sort of leapfrogged and left for dead. And it's like, well, if we're going to keep them round, you know, pull your socks up, basically. You know, we, we, you, you expect better. You know, that's, if these guys are setting the level, they're setting the bar. Um, these guys have got to follow suit
0: for me look I hope I'm wrong because obviously we love to see the academy boys come through we obviously want them to all too well but it is very very rare that you get someone who will come through the academy and be you know a proper Arsenal player you know I think Nketiah, Nelson I think they're both similar from the perspective that I think ultimately are they going to be good enough to be first 11 Arsenal players now I personally don't believe they ever will be but I feel like as part of a modern academy, you know, the important thing is that we're bringing players into the first team, but we're also developing players that we can sell on. And I think, obviously, Eddie Nketiah, Reese Nelson, for me, the second part in them the minutes is putting them in the shot window because I personally don't feel like their Arsenal future is going to last a lot longer than the end of this season. You know, Eddie Nketiah may be a little bit more than Reese Nelson, but... No, I would agree with you. I think they are probably two of the main candidates for uh, for this discussion. What about you, Kelvin? Can you think of anyone different?
1: Um, well, obviously, in catch is definitely one, right? He's going to have to pull the socks up and step up to the plate. Not, that much is obvious, but yeah, I think you touched on him earlier. That's Fabio Vieira, right? I think it's a case if I'd like to see him definitely... Yeah, see see what he's made of. He's had his bit of time to settle in. He had an injury at the start of the season. Um which never helps, right? When you when you come into a new new country, new club, trying to find your feet. Um missed out on preseason where he's got a little mini pre-season now. Um so hopefully he he can show us a little bit more. And he's definitely shown us a couple of glimpses of how he can hit a ball into the back of the net. Let's just hope he can do a couple more of those when we really need them, uh, between now and May.
0: Yeah, it'll be an interesting one with him. Obviously, he didn't really have that much of a preseason. If you remember, he came into the opening weeks of the season with an injury. So, mm. with this little mini break, this almost little mini preseason, he could be one of the players that's actually, you know, benefits from this time. And obviously, time with Arteta and with the squad building up his fitness. Mm. So, be interesting actually to see if he is one of these ones that actually this rather unique season actually pays dividends for. I think the only one you guys haven't mentioned, which I'd probably. We'll I've, I've, got yeah, I've got it written down. I've got it written down. But <laughs> I think I have got I the same number. I think, hope, I think I that ship
1: sailed. I hope you're wrong. Already, I think that ship sailed, James. I know exactly what you're going to say. Sambi Lokonga? Yeah.
0: You really Sammy think Lukonga. that ship sailed? You really think it's that bad for Sambi?
1: Yeah. No really turning do, back? Yeah. No, not, no turning back. No, I think he had his chances. And he might get more, right? Because who knows... God forbid, what might happen between now and the, the end of the season of injuries, but I can't, I just can't see it. He's 23, he's not a kid. Um, you know, if 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 he's as good as what, who was it that was bigging him up? Vincent Company was saying he's the next fucking Yaya Torre. I've seen not even a fucking 100th of Yaya Torre in that lad, to be
2: perfectly honest. You've with. not even seen a Yar. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh,
0: I'll give you that one, Steve, that was quite good. I like that. I like that.
1: Do you think there's any way back?
0: um, I'd never say never, but I'm not sure the minutes he's going to get. Obviously, Europa League moving forwards. We're obviously going to move to a a stronger team moving forwards. I think it depends on how many minutes he gets in the FA Cup. I mean, I can't remember off the top of my head. How much did we pay for him? I mean, if we were to ship him out in the summer, are we making a profit on him?
1: I'd say we'll probably break even at this rate because who's going to pay top dollar for him? Um, let me just have a look here. All right. Well, whilst... I don't I don't remember it being a massive amount.
2: Um my only defense for him would be if you look at kind of the age bracket of Partey and Xhaka um in that role, you could argue 23 is still quite young for that position. Or is that a thin defense? Even our think... Al-Ne- even our nene yeah it's you not look at the, you look at the age bracket of these players uh, I mean don't get me wrong like you do sort of forget he, he's there and you do sort of feel like at times with a lot of these footballers you're like they're almost there to like make up the numbers because it's like they have such impact they have such little impact mm. on the team and and, and you, you can always predict how it's going to go oh Europa League or League Cup oh, will pull him out again and it's like well how long can you sort of you know ma- maintain this sort of merry-go-round and you know we see that with likes of Maitland Niles and and Reese Nelson. But I guess, you know, at the same time, you've got to have these sort of players in and around the squad, you know, for these sorts of games, right?
0: He's going to get minutes against Oxford, isn't he? Early January. Oh, and, and, we that's a real, and that's a really big... Game changer. While it's, it's, going turn,
2: it's going to turn in season. It's, it's an to,
0: opportunity for him, at least, to get some minutes and to kind of, you know, try to give Arteta a decision. I think, you know, that Parte jacques relationship, you know, he's not going to break that. But, you know... I do hope that he. I do think there's a player in there, but who knows? We'll have to see how the season pans out for him. I think you know this is the end of his second season now. You would hope that he'd probably be a uh, less question marks. You would probably would have hoped for than what he's uh, given us so far. But so look, kind of a similar question, but with a little bit of a difference to it. So we've talked about who needs to pull the socks up. Who do you think is going to be the breakthrough member of the squad for the second half of the season? Who do you see really kicking on and being a big part of this team for the second part of the season? Kelvin?
1: I mean, I'm going to throw out the name we've just spoken about. It's more of I'm just throwing positive vibes out there. And that is, it's going to be Eddie and Kenny, lads. He's going to come to the fore. He's going to bang in the goals. And he's going to fire us to the Premier League title.
0: Between now <laughs> and the summer, what would you suggest would be a, a decent goal return for Eddie and Kessier?
1: Depends on how many minutes he gets. In what way does he get those minutes? Um, I think it would be more realistic to say between now and when he returns, you know, when Jesus returns. Okay. Okay. All right,
0: let's do that. How, then. how long is that going to be? Let's, let's, give, let's give Eddie three months.
1: How many games is he going to get in them three months? Do you think uh, it's going to be fairly fairly packed, doesn't it? We'll three. say that he gets twelve games, just to give us a a figure. I'd say if he managed to bag six seven goals in that time, that'd be decent. Well, that's that's quite high. I think that's that is, I think, that,
2: is that is very high. That's an average. So you're saying like what? Um, one goal yeah. every two games, right? Yeah,
1: you're a striker. He's the different player to Jesus. He's not I'll the league what, cup. He's if a if finisher. He,
2: if he gets that many goals and we win the league. I will get an Eddie and Katie tattoo in May.
1: No, that's going to be that's out and published and on show. record.
2: No, I'll go. just text
1: Steph. I'm going to text Steph. Just get get that locked in. Steve said he's going to get. What kind of Eddie and Katie tattoo
2: is this going Why to be? I do know. We'll get a soon in Just the, the old celebration on the butt cheek. Yeah. On the butt cheek. He's blue, Alan. He's blue. Maybe on my forehead. <laughs> I'll, I'll be you silly, forget-
0: mate. You forget, Kelvin, that Steve edits the podcast so he can just edit this bit out.
1: Not anymore, he's too lazy, mate. This is going out as it is.
0: Yeah, they go out. They go
2: out, they go out raw. Oh, Jesus.
0: <laughs> Steve, before we go anywhere further down that alleyway, second half of the season breakthrough, anyone that we've not mentioned?
2: Um, oh, I don't really know. You know, you know you what? What? It, it, it would be nice to see sort of Tommy Yasu get back into the team in some way, shape or form. I guess, you know, um, I think I've said it before, like you could always sort of play with the idea of, you know, if if you need a reinforcements in the middle, you can move Ben White to the middle. Stick Tommy Yasu out there. Um, I'd also like to see, you know what, what I will say is this. I'd like to see not really answering your question, but I'd like to see sort of, the, sort of the likes of, of Kieran Tierney and Zinchenko just complete a full season. Um, that would be great. You know, it, it's incredibly frustrating as a fan and it, it almost becomes a bit like, oh, you know, where'd you draw the line with these players who are constantly on the sidelines. So I feel like it'd be great to see them have a, have a really good season and, and get some minutes and, um, you know, they're both, you know, they're all really good players and we know, um, you know, what they bring to the table.
0: It's really interesting you mentioned KT, actually. He was the name I had down because, again, I think with the same as Fabio Vieira, you know, Tierney came into the season not having a full pre-season. So I think this potentially could benefit him as well. He's obviously going to have had a period of time to get fit, to obviously work with um, Arteta, work with the fitness coaches. So I'm hoping that this will be a really big second half of the season for him. You know, it's mad to think that he was probably first name on the team sheet type player a couple of seasons ago. And obviously we were all talking about him being future Arsenal captain and it really hasn't happened for him so far this season. So look, I am a massive fan of Kieran Tierney. I would really like for him to have a good second half of the season, you know, whether he's going to be Arteta's man, you know, in in seasons to come, who knows. But I would really, really like to see him have a, a positive start to the Um, The restart and hopefully it will be more like the old Kieran Tierney that we knew from a a season or two ago. So, look, we'll finish off with um, probably the biggest question of the evening. What quantifies as success between now and the end of the season? We've obviously had a fantastic run till this point. None of us probably wanted the break. I'm sure Arteta probably didn't want the break. You know, we're top of the league. We're guaranteed to be top of the league at least for a couple more weeks yet. Steve, what quantifies the success between now and the end of the season for
2: you? Uh, It it depends how you want to look at it. So, if you take the emotion out of it, you you know, top four would be great. You could say, right, this is, we've kind of um, gone to the next level. You know, in the sort of, know the next step of the ladder. But knowing where we are, knowing how we've been playing, who we've been beating, it's going to be, you know, because it, it probably will happen. We probably will fall away and it's going to be painful. It's going to be frustrating. Um, but I think at the same time, you know, if, if we can, if we finish top four, we can finish strong, You know, maybe win a trophy on our way. Um, there's so much to play for. I'm really excited. Um, you know what? Who knows? Who knows what come up what may happen. You know, Leicester won the league a few years ago. Um, you know, Blackburn won it back in the nineties. Strange things have happened, right?
1: Strange yeah, you things. got married.
2: Fucking hell. Oh. She's she, yeah, really <laughs> dropped the ball there. She's so really dropped the ball there, hasn't she? Going to that. Uh. Jesus.
0: Stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened. What about you, Kelvin?
1: Similar, really, to what Steve said. Difference for me, I think, top three is what I want to say. I want to see us get automatic promotion, um, promotion, automatic qualification to the, uh, the Champions League. Where we're at, how we're playing, the football we're playing is sustainable, that's for sure. We are going to miss Jesus, and I think the next couple of months are going to be massively vital to how our seasons go, um, and how how we move forward depends on also what we do in the, in the, in the market in January. So for me, just as a, where it stands, look, I'd love to see a title challenge. Would love it if we could keep pace. And like Steve just said, stranger things have happened. Um, But this season going into it was all about Champions League. Let's get back there. Let's get that money. And let's start reinvesting that back into the side because we'll be able to attract better players, etc, etc, etc. We all know the score. Um I'd like to just do it without do a qualifier. That'd be ideal. Um, and also, let's just finish. Let's get. Let, I just want to welcome back Saint Totteringham's Day to to our annual. Been a long time. It has been a long time. Be too long, too fucking long, and they still won bugger all during that time. Um, Wankers. The, the one thing that just going all the way back to the start of the podcast, and it's something that went through my mind immediately. By the way, was when Harry Kane decided to go. And spanked that ball into outer space. Um, was I just hope that really fucked him in the head. Not personally, you know, he's a human being, but on the football pitch when he's representing those fucking tosspots down the lane. I hope he just has an absolute shocker of a fucking remainder of the season and they just fall out of Europe all together. That'd be hilarious, wouldn't it? Even
2: better, he just gets injured.
1: No, I'd rather watch him stuff like that. I'd like him to start and be really shit. Okay. That'd be funnier. Yeah. Because then they've got no excuse at all.
0: Okay. No, it's not. It hasn't been a good World Cup for him. Hasn't been a good World Cup for for Son either. I think Richarlison found his shooting boots at the World Cup, but hopefully he's left them back in Qatar because um, he's obviously not at the start he w- would have wanted down the lane. But no, I think I'm very much uh, in agreement with you boys. I think. If you offer me top four now, I'd bite your hand off. I think we are going to miss Jesus. And I think a title challenge without Jesus for a significant period of time, unfortunately, I think is um, probably off the cards now. If we can get top four, I think that's objective achieved, you know. But if we can just have a bit of fun along the way as well, I'd quite like us to have a run in the Europa League. You know, Europa League's a weird competition. It, it depends on the draw. Obviously, we'll see who gets through the... Um, that first knockout round. But, you know, I'd, I'd love a, a few more away days, you know, European away days. And um, it's it's such a shame that, you, you know, a club with so much history just hasn't got some of the European history that some of the other um, English sides have. So, no, if we could make a run of it at the Europa League as well, I think that would be a, a fitting end yeah. to what's been a, a really, really fun season so far. And, um, yeah, yeah i think that's where i would put it
2: to be to be fair i would if you if you said now top four and like europa league i'd take i'd bite your hand off That'd see now
1: yeah if we won the europa league i'd take top four over top three right 100 if you finish fourth and we won the europa league i'd take yeah.
2: that yeah wow. what about you finish place and... or finish fifth and win europa league and get automatic qualification
1: no nah, because that's different I still would love it. Don't get me wrong, because it's trophy. And it's it's a you know it's a major European cup. But I again, I always go back to like the Premier League. You, you judged over thirty eight games. I want to see us be where we need. We need to be really heading into the right direction. That's qualifying through merit. Not obviously, you're qualifying through merit by winning. You know the second tier European competition. But I think also, yeah, look, you're judged over thirty eight games in the Premier League in one of the toughest leagues in the world, if not the. It probably is. It's probably not been a question anymore. Um, yeah, i want to finish where we, you know, where we should be finishing.
0: Lovely. Well, I think that's all I have for the evening, Boys. I think um, I think we'll leave it there, shall we?
2: Top work, yeah. James. You yeah, it's great and... work,
1: James. Top, top man. Absolutely brilliant. Um, but look, I guess there's probably only one thing left to do. Let's just thank everybody for joining, joining the this show. This is podcast. We really hope you've enjoyed it. We will get back to being regular one day um i mean you can get some very good odds uh down the bookies of when that might happen uh, probably outside outside maybe 10 to 1 something like that but um we'll obviously be back put the put the gerald bet on put the gerald bet on fuck okay, you now take that udi off and go and put some sensible attire on and come back to us and have a real conversation but no we'll be back next week with hopefully a pre-match episode uh prior to west ham obviously we've got christmas day in the middle of that as well so if we don't hear if you don't hear from us before then we wish all of our listeners a very merry christmas uh, and hopefully a very happy three points and a new year but look keep an eye on social media feeds until then but look after yourselves look after each other take care goodbye